It's good to be with you today. Um, as many of you know, I was gone last week, and uh, I had an opportunity to do something that was really a, one of those bucket list type of things. I, I got to sing in Carnegie Hall. And I don't, no, no, no. Because what I want to say next is what's important. Is as incredible as that opportunity was, it feels so good to be back here today singing praises to God with you. Because uh, we were singing some praises there, believe me. Um, but when the church comes together and blends their voices together and prays to God, it is an awesome thing. And uh, I am privileged to be able to be here with you each Sunday that I am uh, and, and experience that. So uh, I just wanted to mention that. Um, as good as that was, this gets us closer to heaven, and that's, that's what's important. Judy Packer from Lake Leonau, Michigan, received a letter from their neighbor who was visiting the Holy Land, and the letter described all the beautiful gardens that they had seen as they went through. And as uh, she finished reading the letter, the, her little six-year-old said to her, I wonder if he saw the rose. Mom looked at and said, what rose? Well, you know, like the Bible women saw. They went to that garden where Jesus was buried, and they saw Christ had a rose. I know, corny preacher jokes. <laughs> Christ had a rose. You know, don't you love the innocent perspective that kids bring to the story of Christ? No getting bogged down in the textual form or the proper doctrinal wording. They just wonder, what about the rose? What about the rose? The fact of the matter is that we all bring preconceived ideas to the text. You could call it baggage, of which we're not even aware. Baggage that is unavoidable but is manageable. Manageable, that is, if we're aware that it's there to begin with. Another way of saying this is that we all see what we want to see. John and Peter raced to the tomb, expecting to see just what they saw, an empty tomb, just as Mary had reported. But Mary went looking for someone. She was not satisfied with an empty tomb. She wanted to find her Lord. The apostles did not understand Jesus' teachings, therefore came expecting to find a missing body. You know, think about it. Even the Jewish authorities understood what Jesus said better than his apostles. If they hadn't, I mean, if they, their understanding is shown because what did they do? They placed guards on the tomb. We, however, well, we have an advantage over those apostles. We have the rest of the story. We can look back historically and know what happened. We know what they could only learn as they lived through the events. We know that the tomb was empty, not because the body had been stolen, but due to the power of God who had raised Jesus from the tomb. But even knowing the rest of the story, we still bring different perspectives and expectations to the, desk, to the text. Uh, Yaroslav Pelkin edited a collection of historical expressions of Christian faith and beliefs called Creeds and Confessions of Faith in the, in the Christian Tradition. And he notes there that Judaism has its Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. 
Islam has its shahada, shahada um, God is great. Uh, but Christians responding to the question, who do you say that I am, have produced literally thousands of statements of faith across the centuries. Pelkin's collection includes several hundred of these. Among them is the Maasai Creed. The Maasai tribe is a tribe in Africa. This creed Africanizes Christianity by declaring that Jesus was always on safari doing good. It also declares that after Jesus had been tortured and nailed hands and feet to a cross and died, he lay buried in the grave. But the hyenas did not touch him. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. He ascended unto the skies. He is Lord. You know, for the Maasai, who worried about their dead when they were buried, that the hyenas would dig them up, that has a powerful statement. Death could not overcome Jesus. The hyenas could not get him. And he rose into the skies, and he is Lord. But who are we looking for? Who are we looking for as we approach the empty tomb? Are we seeking Jesus Christ, the superstar? Or maybe the bland Jesus Christ from the old movie, The Greatest Story Ever Told? Or are we expecting anything at all? I think for many, the expectations for Jesus are underwhelming, due in part to our perceived self-sufficiency and to our misunderstanding of who Jesus really is. You know, we'd really just rather have Jesus as a side. You know, you go to the restaurant and you order a, a salad and you say, I, I'd like my salad dressing on the side. And so what do you do with that? You know, when you want a little extra zip on your cucumber, you know, you, you dip it. I think that's the way we kind of treat Jesus. We want to have Jesus on the side. We want to have our spiritual feast, but we want Jesus to be just something we dip into when we want to. We certainly don't want him to be the main course. But Jesus is neither our hip superstar nor our boring teacher. He is our Lord, and he cannot be ignored. He is the main dish. Pastor Larson writes, or Peter Larson uh, writes, despite our efforts to keep him out, God intrudes. The life of Jesus is bracketed by two impossibilities, a virgin's womb and an empty tomb. Jesus entered our world through a door marked no entrance, and he left through a door marked no exit. This is not something that we can ignore or take lightly. Ralph Sockman wrote, something happened on Easter Day, which made Christ more alive on the streets of Jerusalem 40 days after his crucifixion than on the day of his triumphal entry. A false report he says, might last 40 days. But the church which was founded on a risen Christ has lasted 19 centuries. Make that almost 20. Who are you looking for? Whom do you seek? Are you seeking an easy A or a shortcut to glory? Sorry, the tomb is empty if you're looking for that. And you have to deal with the implications. Are you seeking a Jesus that will fit easily 
into your culturally derived preconceived ideas. You know, a glamorous Lord who is cool, hip, trendy, and would never, ever critique your way of life. Sorry. You won't find that kind of fluff. Are you looking for a Jesus who will validate the decisions you've already made? Sorry. Jesus is not an enabler of dysfunctional attitudes and behaviors. Are you looking for a patriotic Jesus who will wave the flag and stand up for peace, justice, and the American way? Sorry. Last time I checked, the Bible said that Jesus was Lord of all, not of some. The tomb will be empty if you're looking for that, too. Are you looking for a Jesus who demands nothing and gives you everything? Who would not ask you to suffer or sacrifice yourself on his behalf? I think you know what lies behind that tomb, too. If we want to find Jesus, we must seek him as he is, not as we would like him to be. We must humbly allow him to set the agenda for our lives, rather than demand that he validate our agenda. We must give up seeking security in ourselves and look for it only in our risen Lord and Savior. Keith Getty and Stuart Townsend have written some of the best modern Christian music that there is. And I believe that their hymns will go down in history uh, right up there with Just As I Am, right up there with uh, a number of of hymns that we sing today. Amazing Grace. I, I think it's equally, and especially the hymn In Christ Alone. Using a confessional style, it lays out the power of the gospel for all of us. In just a moment, we're going to sing this hymn together as part of this sermon. And as we sing it, I want you to meditate upon the words as you say them. And ask this, is this the Jesus I'm seeking? If it is not, you may be looking for him in the wrong places. Let's all stand and sing together. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm in the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are round and striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand in Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay. 
light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious play, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his, and he is mine, bought by the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. Would you bow with me? Lord God, grant that in your wounds we may find our safety, that in your stripes we find our cure, that in your pain we find our peace, and that in your cross we find our victory, in your resurrection our triumph and a crown of righteousness and the glories of your eternal kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we remain standing, let me give you this one last reflection. We stand here in the power of Jesus Christ. The resurrection and the hope of resurrection is not an insurance policy we take out for when we die. It is the reality in which we live each and every day. Jesus is Lord. He has risen. We don't need him to be a superstar. We need him to be our risen Lord. Him after whom we hope to model our lives. Him whom we will find meaning in this life and hope for the next. His death on the cross and resurrection from the grave gives us all that we need for this life and the next. Forgiveness of sins and assurance of glory. I want to encourage you this day to claim that hope for yourself by humbling yourself to Jesus as Lord and submitting yourself to his will. Behind me is the water. If you are ready today to take Christ on as your Savior in baptism, the water is ready. The Lord is ready. And won't you come to him today, die to yourself, so that you can be raised again in his power to newness of life and live as resurrection people. And church, let us remember our baptism. And let us use it as a motivation to live for him each day. Come to him. Come stand in his power. Come stand in the power of his resurrection. Even now.